0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast on Sportsnet 590, the fan brought to you by Campbell's new chunky spicy soup. It's time to get fired up. What's the opposite of fired up? I'm I'm I'm, I'm like I'm fired down. I'm like cooled down. Like I'm like frozen down or something. Like this game was terrible, and I I, I get it. It's wins and lessons. I keep saying that. I keep telling myself that. I'm gonna try to just correct. The silly habit I've uh, that I've developed, which is to expect the Raptors to you know play competitive basketball and do the right thing and try to put winning first and foremost, I'm gonna put out that side because there's a long term vision and you know if there's nothing else to look at, you might as well look at you know the party line, look at the long term vision, look at the long term vision. So I'm trying to I'm trying to say it's wins and lessons, but I mean listen, I don't know how you're not absolutely hot after. You lose a game where you played pretty much the best defense you had all season. A nice response from that just pathetic effort against uh, the Houston Rockets where they gave up 84 points in the paint. Don't even get me started in that game again. You respond, you come out, you play some defense, you look good, you move the ball around, you build yourself a 22-point lead, you go into the third quarter, you start giving it up, you still have the lead in the fourth quarter, you start giving more and more and more of it up, you have the ball up two points, uh, with the shot clock turned off, just need to hold on to the ball. You get that poked free. You turn the ball over. You then, on the ensuing inbound, allow a, uh inbound play to tie that was so easy that it literally took less than a second off the clock for the game because the Thunder, all they had to do was inbound it straight to the basket and get one of their cutters going to the hoop, uh, Aaron Wiggins, who was a phenomenal in this game. Surprise, surprise. He's going to be the Gerald Hennesaw award winner. Um it, and then afterwards, you get multiple chances with the game on the line. At the end of regulation, you get a terrible shot. At the end of the first overtime, you get a, an awesome opportunity, nine seconds, coming off a timeout. But to be honest, you shouldn't even needed a timeout because you were just trying to bring the ball up and quickly got bou- he got bumped or bounced or whatever, almost lost it, had to call timeout just for safety purposes. Calls a timeout, fine, get the timeout, get Darko the message, they have ten seconds to drop a play. They can inbound to the back court, to the front court. They can substitute all the players that they want to, like pretty much as ideal of a you know out of bounds situation as you can really get to drop something. And what do the Raptors draw up? Well, they get the ball to Scotty Barnes one on one against Shea Gilgis Alexander, and it's uh, who, by the way, at this point has five fouls. Raptors then mindlessly have Gary set the screen for Shea, which then brings a switch because unlike the Raptors, the Thunder, no, you got to switch everything in that late game scenario. If they had switched everything, Wiggins wouldn't have gotten a wide open look right going to the basket at the end of regulation. But forget that, okay? Thunder know to switch everything, and guess what? They switch Lou Dort onto Scotty Barnes now. So first off, Scotty had the opportunity to attack Shea one-on-one. By the way, Shea had five freaking fouls for like an hour and a half, right? They have, he had five fouls. He was in foul trouble the whole game. You have an opportunity, tie game, face of the league, face of the league, face of the league. That's, that's what Darko called him, right? Everyone remembers that infamous rant, right? When you come back on the end of this season, you might remember three Raptors moments. Where were you when OG got traded? Where were you when Pascal got traded? Where were you when Darko made that rant? Okay? Face of the league, moment, takeover. Every opportunity is given to you. You got a guy with five fouls standing in front of you. You attack him. Worst case scenario, what happens? You don't get the shot off? Maybe you draw a foul? Maybe you end the game? So many things. No, don't take the opportunity to attack him. And then the your team does something completely silly, which is let's bring a better defender into this sequence with a pointless screen. So you get Dort in this situation, still don't attack Dort in this opportunity. And instead you go and uh you swing it over to Gary, who has to one-on-one against Shea. Well, you know what? Now the shot clock is almost completely dead. Scary goes for the sidestep over a longer defender. Shea easily blocks them. You go to double overtime. The opportunities in this game, I, I don't even know where to start, man. So many disappointing elements of this game. And disappointing because the Raptors had played so well. You know, because they had played really well. Because I didn't even say the score of this game. Raptors lose in uh, double overtime. Uh, I don't even have the box score pulled up yet. I'm so heated off this. Um, Raptors lose this one 135 to 127 in double overtime. Um, you had an opportunity in this one for first off, you played really well. You did a lot of good things. You did. You held shade to a relatively quiet night. OKC re- responded after, you know, being down. You expect them to do that. They're literally like the number one or two seed in the what, what are they right now? The Number two seed, number two seed, are they number two seed or what are they? They are in the standings right now. Uh, tied, tied with Minnesota at 35 and 15. Um, which is just a few games back of Boston for the first record in the league. So you know they're going to make a comeback. You know, even though they had some injuries in this one, no Jalen Williams, the the wing one, the good one, to be honest, not to be rude to the other one, but the good one. Um, you know, but they were going to respond. They were going to make a comeback. You know how fired up Shea and Lou are to play against the Raptors every single time. And you actually gave yourself a great performance. You put yourself in a position to win, and then you just like spit on it. You just throw it on the ground. You stomp on it. You ignore it. And so many plays comes back in my mind right now in this moment to Scotty Barnes. So many plays, and I'll say this much: Scotty Barnes played a great first forty minutes. Okay, let me put that caveat out there. He played a great forty minutes. Okay. Good recoveries, good defensive sequences, some good passes, a couple cuts to the basket. You know, didn't force a shot all that much but, you know, did a good two-way performance. Like, you know, and he did play a lot of minutes. Let's just put all the excuses aside. Honestly, we can't do this thing every single time where we have a conversation with Scotty and all we want to do is put every excuse on the table first, put the blame on every other player first, put the blame on the coaches, put the blame on the sequence. Maybe he was injured. Maybe he was tired. Maybe he was upset. Maybe No, no, let's just talk about it, right? Because if it's about to be the face of the league or a minimum face of the franchise, we have to have these conversations day in and day out. This is the guy. This is the main guy. And this is what was disappointing to me down the stretch because there was a lot of down the stretch, right? Last couple, last four, the fourth quarter was very close. The overtime periods were also very close. So a couple of plays that stand out to me. Number one, Raptors are uh, trailing, or Raptors are in a one possession game. In the end of regulation, uh, their plan for a lot of the game was to come double team Shea. But of course you double team, then you have to scramble and rotate against the pass, right? Everyone knows this. So, Scotty's originally on uh, Giddy at the top of the floor, um, and Shea has it on the wing. Scotty comes over with the double team. Uh, Shea eventually gives it back up to Giddy, and Scotty doesn't even make a half-hearted attempt at closing out. And look, I get it. Giddy is like a, you know, he shoots like a really low percentage from three. But I do not care for this. Let me, like, look at the guy, turn my back to him, and just ignore him. Let me wave him off, like... This is how many what first up, what, what defensive value does that have for real? Like, I'm don't, don't tell me like mind games or something. We're talking about professional athletes, we talk about mind games. Okay, how many times does this happen already? What about in the rookie season when he was guarding Luka Doncic at the end of the game, got crossed over on a step back, waved him off, said, No, nah, I'm gonna turn around on him, and Luka hits the game winner. If you don't learn from that, if that's not like a oh wow, I really screwed up, that's such a thing, I'm not gonna do this anymore. This was kind of cute, maybe I guess. I, I don't even I, what's cute about not playing defense. But fine. But you know what? This is not even the first time this happened this season. You remember when the Raptors first trade after OJ Anobi, um, when they finally got home to Cleveland and they got RJ Barrett and Emmanuel Quickly's debut late in the game, one possession game. The Raptors were up three. The Cavs broke out in transition. They swung it to Okoro, and Scotty looked at him and literally waved at him from like 10 feet away and then turned around. And guess what? Got away with it then. Because Okoro missed a shot. And you might say, well, again, Okoro's not the strongest three point shooter, although he is shooting a decent ish percentage. Whatever. Obviously he's inconsistent. Why? Why why that play? Look, seriously, like why? What like I I need I need to know the reason why? What is the value of that play? Of turning around and waving a guy. Just just even make a half-hearted contest. I'm not saying fly out there and then give up the dribble, blow-by or whatever, but at least had a hand up, rotate over, some urgency, which is so strange because he played with urgency the whole game. It's the opposite of what you usually say. Fourth quarter, he turns on. First three quarters may not be there all the time. First three quarters were awesome for Scotty. Again, putting all those things aside, let's just address the game today. That play wasn't made, okay? You go into overtime, and again, late game, like you have the perfect opportunity to attack against a guy with five fouls and i'm not saying that this is like he got double teamed and then he needs to shoot i w i'm not trying to do the skip bayless over lebron like i want you to take the final shot over passing it to wide open teammate no man it's one-on-one and like dude who has a walking mismatch in the whole game other than scotty barnes for real like who right even shea doesn't have the physical gifts that you would argue that scotty does right so like, just attack. What's the worst that can happen? You miss, you go to overtime for a second time. We can all live with it. You know what I mean? We can all live with it. The coach has drawn the play up. I hope the coach has drawn the play up to, for that because it was a kind of a raggedy play. But whatever. The ball was in the right person's hands in the right moment. And you might say, well, you know, for a lot of overtime, was a lot of quickly going. And guess what? I'm happy with that. Guess what? Quickly was doing a good job. It's overtime. Whatever you need to do to get buckets on the board, and Quickly was hitting some floating bank shots, Quickly was drawing fouls, Quickly was finding Jacoperto for high-low passes uh, or pick-and-roll passes for little floaters and stuff like that. He generated most of the offense in, in, in overtime, the first overtime period. But then on last possession, doesn't take it, swings it over to Gary, throws a grenade at him, and grenade now said, Gary has to create. I'm, like Gary should not be the one. Okay. Anyway, whatever. So that's the end of the first overtime. Start of the second overtime right? Raptors win the jump ball. They actually catch the thunder with bad floor balance. There's a three and one fast break. And I forget who, maybe Dennis hits it ahead to Scotty, who's wide open under the basket. And instead of going up for the layup or going strong and just completing the play, he shovels it back to Jakob, who's a trailer and Jakob ends up getting like swatted or bumped or something from behind. I'm And I'm not trying to hear like the, you know, who's selfish, who's unselfish thing. Take the shot, take the layup. You're the leader of the team, okay? Then you see a couple other sequences over the fourth quarter where or in in the second overtime where finally he gets the ball from three and he finally takes a shot. This is the first one he's taken pretty much for like at least 10 minutes now. Takes one shot, airballs the three, and it gets the crowd even more riled up. And then you have sequences where he's not coming over to rotate and help and Giddy gets an and one, like... And you know what? I think it's not that. It's the fact that there was no attempt to like... Give me the ball. Give me the ball. Right. You want to see great players always do that late game. You know what I mean? Guess what? It doesn't matter what Mark Dagno wants to drop on the board. Shea is going to get the ball. Shea is going to get the ball. He's going to be involved. He's going to try to set up. Right. If he doesn't have the ball to shoot, he's going to have the ball to draw the double team. He's going to have the ball to screen to free the guy open for for Wiggins to to send the game into the first uh, overtime at the end of regulation there. Uh, He's going to be involved. He's going to take the shots. And you know what? If you miss some, you'll you'll make some, whatever. Hopefully you make the right reads. And Shea did do that tonight. And he had 14 assists. Clearly he was doing well. I think he might have created like 30 wide open threes. His guys were bricking threes for him early on. That's a game where I'm like, oh, wow. He would have had more assists if other guys didn't brick shots. We cannot... Honestly, I just don't think it's even fair to move forward as a franchise. Not fair, productive, let's just say. To move forward in the franchise. If like, this isn't even talked about. This isn't even discussed. And like, you can point to other players rj barrett made a crucial mistake at that last play right at the end of regulation if he just had onto to the ball got the foul call and then got to the foul line he was making his free throws today that's a nice improvement from before the injury uh maybe you know that alone is going to clinch it and you don't have any of the sequences right if uh quickly made a couple more plays uh offensively uh, you know and and not just having some empty possessions there when he was cut off or just it just kind of feels like he's light and gets bumped around all the time. And, you know, not, not, not bumped around like a Trey young getting a call every time just bumped around as in like, you can't get turned the corner or you can't bring the ball up sometimes, or it's like a risky, like a contested shot each time. Those are things you could talk about. Dennis a shooter being a minus 23 and missing some key moments, including a, a late low baseline floater from quickly driving to him. That could have made it a four point game at the end of for the first regulation or him missing some open threes whatever you can point to Yaka missing a, a key free throw in, in the fourth quarter there, you know, there's again, you, you played like 58 minutes of the basketball. Like there's going to be lots of things to point to Bruce Brown. I thought came in and just did, I, you know what? Bruce Brown's the second guy I'm frustrated with, but I guess I'm not that invested. Cause he, I expect him to be shipped out of here next, uh, next week at the trade deadline. But like, in the meantime, can you not come in and just make any play that you want to like, is there any kind of a script? Is it, I'm going to take pull up threes. Off a of pick and roll? What? You know what I mean? Like, pull up threes off a of pick and roll. We're going to just, j- just drive in one on three and transition like Westbrook style and miss a layup. We're going to over help and gamble and leave wide open three pushers. I, 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 Bruce Brown might have made like two good plays all night, man. And so many gambles. Like, just pure gambling. Like, I, I, don't, I don't get it, honestly. I really don't get it. But look, those things are secondary. The main thing has to be the main thing. They need Scottie Barnes to play at a franchise level for this team to work, right? RJ Barrett, for God bless his soul. I really enjoy RJ Barrett. I'm happy he's back. I'll talk about it in a second. But he can do so much. Quickly, we might have oversold at least the instant impact of quickly, but he could only do so much, right? These type of players top out at, you know, if they get to the All-Star game, it's because the Raptors are really successful as a team, and, and they're like that, like, I don't even know, man, like... Like when Chris Middleton would make the All Star, I and mean, even Chris Middleton is a really high level to get to comparatively, um, and and that's fine. Like everybody's got like a, a like a limit. You can only judge ba- people based on their potential, right? The only way that this thing works—short term, midterm, long term, whatever term you want to go to—the only reason it, for the Raptors to make sense as a franchise is if Scottie Barnes takes that jump to the superstar level, I, and I mean superstar. Like you look at Shea on the other side right you look at the previous games that he played like um you know what, what i mean i see it, we haven't really played a lot of superstars recently but like you know looking eye to eye with like a lebron looking eye to eye with a Kawhi, and i know this is asking for a lot and i'm not saying it has to happen right now it just happens to happen eventually and there needs to be tangible steps to take there but like i'm talking about serious dedicated devoted like and, and it has to be locked in and, and not just locked in, but so locked in that other guys are willing to follow that. Other guys are willing to follow the effort that you put in, the, the tenacity that you put into every single game. And it can't even be questioned at a certain point, right? You're not successful all the time. Nobody just succeeds through sheer, you know, force of will. Even Giannis will fail sometimes when he tries to put, impose his will and his athleticism and his physicality onto the game. But, that's where we need to get to and it sucks that that's the standard right you're essentially telling your child you know what if you you don't come with you if you don't come in with proficiency our whole family's screwed that's basically the analogy right if you don't give me a 95 96 97 type of thing and you and you and you you take home that proficiency award our family's not going to eat but that's kind of what's happening here right and that's not necessarily he asked for it. That could that could be the front office put him in this situation, the coaches put him in the situation, whatever marketing put him in the situation, his own play put him in the situation. Which I I think that's the one for me. But that's the conversation we need to have. And and in that sense, it was just I, I can't explain it. I can't explain. I, I I understand trying, making your best, and then you don't succeed. Like, sorry, I don't know why they became a Coldplay like, like lyric, but seriously, like. I understand that 100%. I appreciate that. You know, I've seen that over and over again. I saw that from Kyle, I saw that from DeMar, I saw that from Fred, I saw that from Pascal. You know, like that's that's like 10 years of Raptors basketball between those, those names, right? The one guy who tried his hardest and actually succeeded was Kawhi. Good for him, right? Like I you know, that's why we that's why we thank him all the time. But you'll live with it. There's no love lost for any of the well, that's not true actually. The way I mean, let's be honest. The way Fred and Pascal Left, I wouldn't say we're 100%, you know, uh, well, whatever, but, but that's 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 secondary. That's more petty stuff. I think all to, for any real, real tr- true appreciative fan would, would thank those guys for what they did for the franchise. Um, but there was no lack of effort, you know what I mean? And I honestly, if I'm going honest, I never looked at Kyle Lowry. I never looked at DeMar DeRozan. I never looked at Fred. I never looked at Pascal with the type of talent and belief in the idea and the potential and the, the, the star level, quality, whatever you want to call it, that'll do with Scotty. right? And so the expectation is naturally going to be higher based on that. But it cannot be these instances where you just, like, drive the lane, don't get the call, hold the face, don't come back in transition. Like, it, sorry, like, it, it just happens so often. The complaint to the referee late in the game, like, yo, if you're a referee and you saw that performance, and the, he's campaigning for, like, a missed call here on a box out or whatever, like, what? not trying to hear that. This is the new reality. The, and, and look, again, I'm not saying that it's his fault. It's not a fault thing. We need to move aside from that and just deal with the facts on the ground. The facts on the ground is the franchise, the management group, has put him in this situation where it's you sink or swim for all of us, not for yourself, for all of us. And, yeah, we know you're 22 years old or 23, and you know we know that uh, it's, it's unfair to do this as a third-year player, but that's what's been done. And, like, that's the standard we got to judge it on. And I'm sorry. Like, if I saw Shay just, like, not give 100% effort in some of these games, I'm sure he'll be called out from the OKC side. You know what I mean? And, like, I, I, you know, and honestly, all cards on the table, I think it's, for me, it's not just like, okay, it, this one game is bothering me so much. I think it's because the conversation is so elusive. When do we ever just sit down and have like a completely honest to goodness about face conversation about these things when it's not going right for Scotty Barnes. We are so quick to have every conversation in the world about this is going right, this is going right, he's the future of the team, this is the future, this is the future where he's going, all of that. Right? We are we are we are there for all those moments. But then we cannot turn a blind eye to this because again, I look back to that play, and the play that disappoints me the most is when he turned around on when he just didn't do anything against giddy. He just stood there. He was like he actually intentionally made the effort to say I'm actually not going to go closer to him cuz I I don't respect him as a shooter. And he knocked it down. Like that that feels like more than just a one decision. That feels like a like yeah. Anyway, lots of other misplays um you know, you could say that uh honestly, you you got a good effort from a lot of the other guys. Even quickly going 7 for 20, you know, like, I think there's clearly things for him to improve on. There's two modes, he feels like, where he's playing the team offense and another one where he's just, like, giving himself the ultimate permission to go. When he had that permission to just go in the fourth, in the fourth quarter in an overtime there, I think a lot of good things came out of it. I like that he was able to get to his shot sometimes. He does seem to get stronger, and I think that if he's so slight, I think maybe he might even need to exaggerate a little bit on, on the contact he takes so that he gets himself to the foul line more. Like, the fact that he took 20, shots and only got to the free throw line twice um you know i think it's an indication that he he's one of those players that gets bumped off the spot but also it means that he's changing a shot rather than he's going to the foul line right that's going to affect his efficiency long term but i can build with that i can build with the quickness i can build with the reads that he was making um you know again 11 assists only one turnover that's also really good and you know what honestly if overtime period comes around clearly enough of its plan i'll take whatever you can you whatever you give me you know what i mean like like give me everything. Give me everything you got, whatever you give me, I'll live with it to some degree. Right? RJ Barrett coming off a curl. Chet Holmgren is, is guarding him and he he turns the corner on Chet Holmgren and he dunks all over him. One of the best shot blockers in the league. He goes that hard to the basket. Right? I'll accept that. Dennis Schroeder started a second overtime period. You know, or not started a second overtime period. After the, the, the second overtime, the, the Thunder had built a lead of six, seven points or whatever. And Dennis, you know, is pressing blue door. With all of his might, gets the turnover, strips him, and then goes the other way and gets hard fouled by by Dort on the chase down attempt. You know what? That's what overtime should be about. You giving everything you got to steal the ball, and then afterwards, Dort, who makes the mistake, does everything possible to come back and chase down. You know that that's that's competition. That's sports. That's what this is what the whole thing's about. So. There were some good, there were some bad. You live with it. You know what I mean? You live with it to some degree. You want to pe- see people compete in the right way. Thad Young, ultimate example of that, right? At this point, what are his abilities to, like, contribute night in and night out, right? But you know what? I don't have any doubt that he's giving me everything he got every game. He comes in this game, first half. He had a see, he had a back-to-back sequence where one Chad Homer tried try to ISO against him. You know, uh, Thad stayed down the whole time. You know, shaded him, prevented him from getting into the paint, curled him off, and ultimately Chet had to reset and pass it out. Next time down, Chet tried to go a little bit quicker against Thad, brings the ball down on, on and tries to drive their lane, and Thad just, like, clamps him, rips the ball down with two hands and steals the ball from him. Stuff like that, where it's like, damn, that's a rookie of the year contender. That's, like, genuinely going to be, like, a future all-star, no doubt about it. So, such a skilled player, and and Thad's still competing with like that. I respect that. Thad diving on the floor, loose ball, stuff like that. You know, Grady takes a charge today. Oh, the great did charge. Gary took a charge today. And you know what? This is, I mean, this is just an aside. It's more of just fact-finding trivia. But did you know, this is only Gary's second ever charge as a member of the Raptors. Not this season. Not this calendar year. We're talking 197 games since he was traded to the Raptors uh, in Tampa. This was like two years ago, or four years ago now, right? and i looked it up he had a, taken another charge which i would say was more just like a, a you know an offensive foul cuz the guy didn't even have the ball he just kind of like bumped gary it was a play that happened on february 10th 2022 against the Houston Rockets, that game where the Raptors, I actually referenced that game last game when I was recapping the Rockets game because that was the game where the Raptors ran the full-court press the whole night and forced the Houston Rockets into 11 turnovers just off the full-court press alone. But one of those other turnovers in the game was Sean Tate tried to run the floor, take early post position against uh, Gary, and Gary kind of like sold the contact or whatever, fell over, and that was called, ruled as a charge. But honestly, that's not even like a guy got the ball driving in and you take the contact on the driver. That's more of a guy trying to post you up. So this could honestly be the first ever charge Gary has ever drawn for the Raptors. This one stepping in and, and when 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 uh, when Josh Kitty went to the hoop and, and 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 he actually ate the charge. Like it was so unusual that instantly my mind was like, "Whoa, I've never seen that." And then I went to do the research, and yeah, like literally, this is his second ever career charge for the Raptors. Um, and like I think to be fair to Scotty. He was a huge part of the whole game, the whole reason why the Raptors were up, the whole reason why, you know, like not saying he was the only one, but he did a lot of great things. 19 points, seven rebounds, nine assists, made his threes again. It's been a while since he's made the threes, so it's nice to see that come back for him. Uh, A couple good cuts to the basket. I think defensively, that was the most important thing. He was the initial defender against Shea, and you know what? You know, obviously the Raptors did bring a lot of secondary help and like hard, aggressive double teams against Shea. and so it wasn't just him, but in general, I thought Scotty did a really good job staying in front of Shea. It's a, it's a difficult job. Clearly, it's a guy you got to guard every possession because he's not going to turn those kind of things down. So, like, he deserves a ton of credit, you know, a, a help side block, a rotating block on Wiggins at the basket. This is right after Yaka Pertl also made a rotating block at the basket. This is when the Raptors were up comfortably in the third quarter, 20 plus or whatever and, you know what, a lot of these games he's having to play, you know, center um, because the Raptors want to close smaller or, you know, they don't really have a backup center right now without Jakob. Sometimes they play Thad. I, I would also say for Darko, like, I, I don't understand the micro decisions that he sometimes goes into late in games. So in this one, for example, and I know one of the things he doesn't want to do is play like a guy 12 straight minutes or whatever. That's obviously, you know, minute management, whatever. But there's a couple things. Number one, when they were going down in the fourth quarter, like, RJ wasn't on the floor for a lot of that. And it's like, why? RJ was playing a really good game. At least on offense. They were playing a really good game. Defensively, I think he was more of a neutral. Maybe sometimes he had some couple negatives. I'm not going to say it was all good. But, like you know, offensively, he was a good option for you, was on the floor for a lot of those in the fourth quarter. Thad Young was on the floor intentionally a lot in, like, the last five minutes of the fourth quarter type of deal. Then you see some substitutions. You see Jakob on the floor sometimes in the fourth quarters and in overtimes and stuff, sometimes he's not on the floor for those because they want to close smaller. Sometimes Gary's on the floor, but instead sometimes Dennis is on the floor. Like, who are the five that you want to actually run with? And, like, you see things that are, like, offense, defense, at the end of the first overtime period, this is after it quickly, I think, created all four Raptors' buckets in the first overtime period. With about a minute left in the overtime, Darko actually subbed quickly out on like a foul call um, and then used the timeout to get him back into the game on the ensuing play. Now, you might say that that's, you know, to buy a breather or maybe even offense, defense for a possession. By the way, that possession ended with Shea pulling out for three. So quickly wouldn't have been involved in that at all. Um, but in any case, you can't know that ahead of time. But are you playing offense defense with a guy who's like literally producing the bulk of your offense with one minute left in overtime? And you know how risky that is? You're basically forcing yourself to call timeout to get him back in the game the very next possession. Like offense defense when it's like last minute, 30 seconds, it's a one possession game. The, shoot, the other team shoots it or they got to foul you. That you can play offense defense more comfortably there. When it's like with more than a minute left and you play offense defense, you're almost saying, "I need the ball to go out of bounds, or I need the, somebody to get fouled. I need you know." And thinking about learning, right? For example, we, you know, I, you know, chastise Scotty for not learning about the, the 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 wave off contest or the whatever you want to call that thing. Um, Darko did the same thing with with Scotty earlier this year against against the Celtics. Right? Oh, you know what? He wasn't. He he needs a break. we need just gonna pull him out for, and then he end up he, he just ends up sitting on the sideline for like two full minutes before he can finally check back into the game, and the Raptors lose that game in, in, in to Boston at home. Remember that one? Like I, I, some of the decisions are baffling. Like closing with certain guys, like the Dennis Schroeder. Like he, feel, like the way he looks at Dennis Schroeder. I'm not saying that, you know, like. The Dennis Schroeder thing for him is just for me is like I understand Dennis is giving his best. I understand that Dennis is not, you know, like, you know, trying to play the wrong way or anything like that. The thing with Dennis is just Darko trusts him. Like he is his guy in any situation. You know, like this is like his version of Mariano Rivera for him as like um I don't know who was the manager back then? Joe Torrey? Something like that? Like, am I am I saying that right? Like. Look, that's his guy. That's his closer. That's like uh, the the Blue Jays bringing in Romano in, in, in the seventh inning is, is his version of getting the Dennis. It's the comfort blanket. Any single time there's any issue, Dennis getting the game, Closed game, Dennis closed the game for me. And I'm just like, can you pick and choose which moments? So in this one, you might say, well, the ball handling wasn't enough. You might also say, you by having both guards on the floor, you are now necessitating that Scotty doesn't get the ball that much. As the ball, you know, having the ball in his hands, you at least you might say that that's at least discouraging, maybe in a way. I don't know. I mean, to be honest, I want Sky to just say, "Screw both of you, give me the ball," but that's a separate discussion. But still, like Darko, any sign, any hint of an issue, he goes to Dennis. And yeah, I mean, Grady plays in the first half. uh, Actually, did a good job. You know, six points in ten minutes. Bruce Brown, I mean, did not see that. Where where was Jordan Nwora? Jordan Noir has been playing well, right? Uh, had two really good games. Then one game where quickly came back, and you know that game against the Rockets, nobody played well. But I don't think it's fair to single out Noir. I don't think Noir did anything wrong. Now he's just not in the rotation. Now, like, are we trying to are we trying to contend? Are we are we are we trying to win? Are we trying to lose? Or, what are we doing? How is this, like, not, like, just an aimless, directionless thing? And maybe that's on the front office. And you might say, well, I saw a lot of people, you know, talking about, well, you know, you can't hold them accountable because, like, how could you expect them to play hard when the trade deadline's coming up? And, and you know, a lot of these guys might be might be shipped out. They might have other things on their mind. I, I mean, look, I'm not trying to be insensitive, but, like, that's, that's the job. Th- that's the job, right? The Raptors are not the only team coming up and playing the trade deadline where it's like they might move players. This And we're not talking about players who have never been through a trade deadline before. It's not like we're talking about Grady Dick might be traded at the trade deadline. And so for a rookie to handle this at a young age, oh, I don't know, it might distract him a little bit in the game, be unsure. You tell me Bruce Brown, who's been in the league multiple years, is now so pressed about the trade deadline. Gary, who's already been traded at a trade deadline, is so pressed about the trade deadline. Dennis, who is like in year 11 or year 10, who's been on six different teams is pressed about potentially changing teams. You think that Chris Boucher, who has been in the league for a long time is pressed by the way, we haven't seen Chris in a couple games either. Right? Like, I don't know, man. Like I, again, I want to go back to what I said at the start, wins and lessons. It's a wins and lessons season. I'm trying to learn and adapt to it. And I, I apologize if it's like coming across as if I'm not seeing the big picture or, you know, honestly, I might not be like, I'm, Trust me. Let's just let me know if I'm not okay, um, or if I'm being unfair to any of this. You know, you you understand that not every episode is like this. Um, but like, the bigger picture is the Raptors have a strategy, or the Raptor strategy in the big picture, at least as to our, as as I would understand it, is we need Scottie Barnes to be a true blue superstar. We need him to be like face of the league type of player, maybe one of the faces of the league. Right. But like we need him to get to that level. We need to get him all star level, then eventually an all NBA level, then a first team all NBA level. Like that's the plan here. And we're going to support him and build other pieces around him. And so RJ's here for a little bit of that. Kuku here is for a little bit of that. Other players might be here for a little bit of that. Who knows? rest of the pieces might come in and out. What might be part of that? The draft picks, all that kind of stuff. But like. That's the big picture, full stop. And so that's the way we have to evaluate. Like, the progress of every game. And it's not, okay, guys got traded, now you got to be that guy immediately. Nobody expects that immediately. But, you know, not to circle back, but yeah. You, you, there just cannot be like a... I, I, you know Honestly, I, my only thing is games like this are fine, but it has to be wins or lessons. You know what? Forget wins and lessons. It should be wins or lessons. It cannot be neither wins nor lessons. Because... They just need to learn from experience like this you you gotta go you gotta play the whole entire way through you 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 know and like I don't know even if you're beat on a rotation or whatever just like at least half-hearted sometimes um take the shots when they're there make their defense give your uh, defensive effort as much as possible and like uh, you know if there, if there needs to be like a way to learn to play through more intensity or longer stretches like Sure. I've, by the way, I remember Scotty being like a, an absolute monster in the first year. Remember that game when the Raptors won in uh, triple overtime? there's was not even a longer game than this. Triple overtime against Miami, right? In Miami. You remember that game? Scotty played like 50 minutes, 55 minutes kind of thing. And one of the things I loved about it was hunting offensive rebounds, going hard to the basket. You know, I think he hit two free throws to send it past one of the overtime periods. Like super clutch moment. Like wanting the ball, wanting to defend, you know, switching on the Bam, switching on to Jimmy. It's all stuff as a as a rookie. And I'm like, wow. And, and most importantly, wow, the motor for something like that. You know, like that, that's that got to be here, too. You know, especially because it's like the front office has put him in the situation where it's harder than it's ever been in his career. For a guy who in, even even in college wasn't like the go to guy and like, you know what I mean? Like he was one of the guys, one of the pieces. Right. He comes here. He impresses. You know, the rest of the team kind of depresses and eventually they ship out the other pieces and they say, you got to go now. So this is a journey. And today was, I hope, a big, big lesson, you know, Um, and if they learn from it, you look back on it, you might say, this is a really informative game. You know, I think about like, for example, totally different context, totally different player, but an example of a big lesson. Sometimes it's like an eye opener type of thing is like, remember when the Raptors played in Cleveland two boxing days ago now? And because they missed a lot of players because of COVID, because of they missed a couple players because of whatever, they had to play that game with like Chris Boucher, uh, Svi Majluk, uh, Delano Banton, and like uh, actually, oh, and Utah as like the go-to guys. And Chris was trying to go one-on-one against, and like literally, the, I'm not kidding. The Cavs broadcast were laughing at him and stuff like that. Like, and it was a it was a huge blowout. And then he's talked about it so many times afterwards. He's like. That gave him such a wake-up call for me. I I took a lot from that. I I gave him a lot of clarity on what I need to do as a player to succeed. And it led to this, like, pretty good two years of basketball for Chris from that point onwards, including a new contract at the end of that year where he really locked in and played a winning part in the winning role for a winning team, you know? And so, like, just obviously different scales. Chris, realizing he's not the go-to guy, it's not the same as, like, what Scotty's being asked to do. But there has to be a lesson that comes out of this. That's all. So... Your three stars from this performance, um, I was really happy with Jakob coming back. Uh, sorry, Jakob, you played a really good game. Uh, honestly, almost a flawless game from Jakob. 19 points, 12 rebounds, three offensive, three assists, two blocks, eight of nine shooting from the field, three of four from the free throw line, including one of two to tie the game, which honestly, in the late shot clock or late game scenario, if he gives me one, I'd be pretty happy. Um... Yeah, I came back, looked much, much better defensively, you know, gave the Thunder a lot of problems uh, on both ends of the floor just with his size. This is the, one of the issues with the Thunder. Like, if they want to get serious this season, I mean, put aside Josh Giddy having a good game, which is kind of disgusting on multiple levels. But like, I think they need to upgrade on Giddy. And they need to get a real big in there. And, you know, like until they do that, I think they're gonna really struggle playoff wise. Because you're gonna see a lot of instances like what you saw here tonight, where guys Teams just come and hard double team Shea. And yeah, other guys can score. Like, Blue Door can score. Uh, Chant Holgram can definitely score. He was cold early, but came on later, and he was really good. Felt like he didn't miss a three down the stretch. Um, obviously, normally they would have Jalen Williams, who would be their number two scorer. But, like, playoffs playoff teams are fully going to dare them to beat you with other guys for four games. And they're going to beat down with against you with size. And, yeah, I think that's going to be the, you know, Eventual shortcoming for the Thunder this year, but they're finally going to make the playoffs. They're finally going to be in a really good position again. They're tied for first in the West. You can't get better than that. Um, so they'll have plenty of times to do both wins and lessons. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, but yeah, yeah. Jakub was your first star. Second star. Uh, it's tough. There's there's a couple of good performances. Like honestly, Scotty Van is case of second star. That's the thing. Like he played really well relative to a lot of his rest of his teammates. At least for the first like, n- like eighty percent of the game, it's just the down the stretch. The expectations are so high for him, and it didn't really happen. But I don't know, man. I'll, I'll give it, uh, I'll give it to Scotty. Objectively, he did the second most to contribute towards the win: nineteen points, seven rebounds, nine assists. I want to rehash this conversation. Uh, and then your third star, I don't know. Let's 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 give it to RJ. I guess twenty three points, seven rebounds, four assists, a steal, block, great dunk on Chet. Key turnover, though, again, all this could have been mitigated. All this could have been avoided if he just made that shot, but, or kept that ball and didn't turn it all over, but it happens. He, he, uh, he turned the ball over. It happens. Your Gerald Henderson award winner, um, it's got to be Aaron Wiggins. I, I mean, there's a case for Giddy for sure, but, like, I mean, yeah, again, that's just disgusts me, but, uh, yeah, Wiggins 20 points, six rebounds, two assists, four offensive rebounds, made a bunch of threes. That's what actually started the, uh, come comeback in the third quarter to trim it from like 20 down to like 10 um and then he was just consistently a pest and, and crashed in for the glass and all that kind of stuff especially when the Raptors went smaller too the thunder really really got on the glass and that's the thing wins and lessons right wins and lessons so they lost the game a couple day a couple uh days ago to Atlanta cuz they gave up 20 offensive rebounds dark was talking about oh we got we're learning box out drills we're probably the only team in the league that that does box out drills uh and then you come out and is that is there that response immediately there was against like Chicago there was Um, against Houston, there was no effort or just nothing worked anyway. So let's just throw that game out, although it was pretty terrible. And now uh, the third game after that box sell drill, you know, comment, you're now giving up key offensive rebounds uh, throughout the game to a team that is small. Like they're athletic, but they're small. So, yeah, I mean, wins – Wins and lessons. Wins or lessons, you know, but it can't be neither wins nor lessons. And today, I I really sincerely hope it was a neither wins nor lessons type of game. So, curious to see what the post-game reaction is from the coaches. Um, But uh, just a tough one, a long, a a, a tough loss and a long season full of tough losses. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, I hope it, I hope it was, I, I hope this one wasn't too, uh, i don't know too unfair too incohesive if it is again just let me know please let me know in a productive way um and if it's not then if you agree with me let me know as well but this is just where i'm at with the whole thing so thanks everyone for listening uh and yeah you've been listening to the raptors reaction podcast brought to you by campbell's new chunky spicy soup it's time to get fired up i'm fired up i can't wait to do the show this upcoming uh monday so check us out there